This is the Territory Story Podcast News Bites. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Hello there. Welcome to you wherever you're listening. This is the Territory Story News Bites. It's a podcast to give you a little snapshot of what's happening in the world of news in the NT. So let's get straight to the NT Independent Online newspaper and we'll chat with the editor, Chris Walsh. Walshy, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, Pete. Good to be with you again. You too, mate. Lots happening this week. Yes, as always. All kinds of craziness. Give me an insight as to uh, what's making news in the NT this week. Well, <laughs> our friend Michael Riches at the ICAC. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, good friend. Um, well, he's gone and done it again, I think, here. Uh, of course, the story today that we're running, ICAC hires CLP operative as investigator. Uh-huh. Deep undercover. <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> yeah. And and man, it's just it doesn't smell right, it doesn't sound right. It's just I don't think it's right. And you know, and I anticipated when I sent this to him, um, that he would come back and say, Well, something like, you know, you can't hold people's political affiliations against them in the hiring process. And to cut him off on that, I said, some, look, you may say that. However, we believe that the ICAC would kind of have a higher threshold for things like this in terms of wanting to maintain integrity in the office. Uh, you can't really and you shouldn't be hiring anybody who's, who's fundamentally linked to a political party, considering that your investigators will be investigating politicians and yeah, and political if people. Known, if they're known to be involved with that party, then I guess members of both sides would know that. Yeah. Um, it, it, as it appears, uh, Michael Riches did not know that, that this guy had worked for and, and, and carried like senior positions you, and you executive news for him too, did you? Oh, it seems like it. And then that was kind of his response, right? So we sent him some questions this morning, uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, the NT's uh, anti-corruption commissioner has defended hiring a CLP executive member to oversee reports to his office after Commissioner Riches first indicated he was not aware of his investigators' political ties. So we sent the questions, and he come back straight away, Pete, this morning with this very quickly, uh, very succinct, but saying, you've raised a number of serious matters that I will inquire into. Thank you for raising them with me. I will say nothing further at this point in time. Shout out to the ICAC for replying. Yeah, well, he did that. Now, you know, I started to write the story. I got to give time to people for responses and stuff. So I started writing the story that, look, the ICAC's investigating his investigator. Uh, and clearly, you know, it was not aware of these connections. Now, who this guy is is interesting. Now, it, he's a former CLP executive management committee member. He had various roles in the party. He was a party campaigner, he was a party fundraiser at times. Uh, just recently, to a guy by the name of Cormac McCarthy. Now, that is not the author, Pete. Uh, <laughs> he's got, a, he's got a, an M.A. in there. He's got an A in the McCarthy, which apparently the CLP doesn't know because they've been spelling his name wrong on all the documents that I saw about this thing in there. And then even the opposition leader, uh, Leo Fanacchiaro's comments today, too, uh, spelling his name wrong. Anyway, Cormac McCarthy's the guy. Now, party documents we've obtained show that McCarthy's been involved with the party for years, including as a member of the Executive Management Committee, acting Darwin branch chair. He also organized fundraisers and campaign activities for the CLP, including at last year's Fannie Bay by-election. 
McCarthy is also a former anti-police detective and previous owner of Darwin's Hog's Breath Cafe. Uh-huh. Which is a great establishment. And, uh, mm. and said it's gone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but look, was yeah. Was it a 72 hour steak? Yeah, was it something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. delicious. Um, yeah, how they did that kind of prime rib was nice. Yeah. Uh, now, according to numerous sources, uh, Mr. McCarthy, who who apparently just left his role recently with the CLP, he was on the executive management committee, as I mentioned. Uh, he went and joined to get this job as an investigator with the ICAC, but he's made no secret of that. Reportedly telling people at the chief minister's VA Supercars 10 last month that he was an investigator for the ICAC which one source said was the equivalent of, quote, being a drug cop and telling all the drug dealers you're a cop. <laughs> Is it some form of reverse psychology? <laughs> well, why do you show up at a political function and tell them all, I'm an investigator with the ICAC, just so you know. I think that we have some relevancy issues here with this guy that he wants to be known for something. And this is, uh, I guess he's quite proud of working for the ICAC. I don't know why the ICAC hasn't done anything. It's not a place where you can hold your head up high. Uh, anyway, yeah, as we said, he, he seemed surprised, which is he came back and he just said, um, uh, and I'll get into those questions next time we talk because they're worth exploring a bit more in some of his response. But uh, mm. to keep it brief here, uh, Riches responded three years later. Uh, the McCarthy had been hired on June 13th as, quote, an operations officer following a competitive recruitment process, adding that he is, quote, very well qualified for the position. Now, you got to ask yourself, what the hell is an operations officer at the ICAC, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, a lot of this, need to know it was a competitive situation. Does that mean yeah. there was multiple applicants? I, I guess so. Um, and they picked this guy. Why? We don't know. Um, now, operations officers, though, relate. Richard said that the position or the roles, the duties relate to the assessments of reports received. He's, he has not and will not be allocated any assessment relating to a minister, an MLA, or any matter that might involve a political element, Richard said, adding that he is, quote, uh, not yet been involved in any investigation. Uh, now, uh, we understand an operations officer is the new handle for what was previously called an investigator. Now, a guy named Jason Blake is the director of investigations for the ICAC. At least he was until recently. Now he's the director of operations, something like officer operations, mm. operations, director of operations, officers. Uh, so yeah, look, let's just call it what it is. I don't know. Like, look, anyway, we'll get into it more later, but, uh, uh, Riches is using his own lingo now, his own language to try and, uh, get out of things. Um, anyway, he said, uh, of course we had asked about this glaring conflict of interest to have a party political operative in there. He's saying that McCarthy was upfront about his party political allegiances, although I guess not all the way the, to the commissioner, and that he believes McCarthy had no political engagement since taking the role with the ICAC on June 13th. Uh, notwithstanding, there have been and will continue to be mitigation strategies, Rich has said, to avoid any perceived conflicts of interest. He has, for example, been restricted access to certain investigations. Uh-huh. And we know how that went with uh, the young lady who was his executive assistant, Riches. And of course, she was, well, forced to resign. Uh, about a year ago, I think it was, um, 
after being charged with disclosing confidential information, later pleading guilty to that charge for posting a confidential letter to the ICAC on her Snapchat account. Mm. Um, and she had also acted as secretariat of the ICAC's operations committee that received reports from investigators and provided recommendations to the commissioner. Now, we also know that he's had problems hiring people. Uh, as he said at estimates, and that he's working 20% below the capacity there. They're not getting anything done. And that was one of the questions which he incidentally didn't answer to, is have you just lowered the standards now? But look, P, if I can just say this, and you know, we'll get into it later on, but um, uh, look, you, you've got an issue here, and why I think this is so serious is that uh, let's say that you know he's investigating any number of things related to the Labour Party, uh, any labor politicians, uh, you know, by hiring a CLP operative like this, he gives them a way to discredit that report when it's yeah. finally handed down. And the labor gunner, whoever could say, well, look, how do we know this was done right? You've got party political people in there mm -hmm. uh, from the opposition. This whole report is political. It's payback. Uh, we don't have any faith in it. And in fact, we saw that kind of conduct uh, happen with the NT News and um, who's the guy, Brett Dixon, when they tried to discredit that report into the Turf Club grandstand by suggesting that, you know, I think at one point they were saying that I knew somebody who worked in the ICAC who was in an administrative role and had absolutely nothing to do with an investigation, but they'll try everything they can to try and discredit it. Now, all yeah. of that, you know, was nonsense, but you can see where people will go to defend yeah. it. And, you know, Rich has just kind of gave them that as a free pass here. So, and here's what you can do to undermine the, well, you know, and he's undermined the integrity of his office by doing that in any future investigations. So he clearly went and he talked to his people and he's now made a defense of why he's hired this guy. I don't think it passes the pub test. And uh, like I said, I think it, 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 it puts the integrity of the office on the line here. Yeah, it makes sense. And we will, in fact, pull out the pub test uh, on the weekend edition and drill, <laughs> drill down in way further detail. Now, Chris, another story that uh, got my attention during the week relates to uh, the potential for crock culling in the NT, which uh, is brought to you by the party that uh, also thought they could uh, name a defence minister uh, being in the Territory. So tell me, tell me what's going on here. Uh, yeah, getting in a little overreach there into federal jurisdiction, <laughs> yeah. I think you're raising. But of course, yeah. look, hey, you got to bring up this old chestnut, as you would say, Pete, about yes. that. Look, I remember when I first came here, now it must have been about a year after I've been here, maybe 2015, um, we were all at a press conference and Adam Giles started going on about uh, – uh, how we wanted to do a safari, a croc safari. Now, nobody yeah. who goes to the chief minister's press conferences has any knowledge of that or anything. I think that, you know, and that, that was contentious, of course, talking about safari stuff. But I think File shows up at these press conferences and looks around and is like, oh, baby. You know, it's just all young children there who have no knowledge of the Northern Territory or what's gone on, asking her questions. Mm -hmm. So nobody apparently asked her, well, do you want to do, do you want to see a safari then? Um, because, you know, her, her old mate Gunner, which remember, she's not diverged at all from his path. He had supported yes. it years ago in 2017, I think it was a year after he came in to office. So anyway, yeah, look, uh, following that attack on the 67-year-old male at... Uh, 
uh, one guy falls yeah. on uh, on Monday, I think it was. Yeah, Monday. Um, and of course, what was it? A two point five meter salty that they ended up uh, yep. identifying and shooting. Um, I've been out to those things before. I've been out to one where they the, the crop killed a guy, and they ended up out on the boat all night and around 11 p.m. shooting the crock, and that's what they do when they attack a person. Um, anyway, the next day, Files, of course, gets asked, I think about it, or she raises it, and she says, it's time for us to consider, do we need to go back to culling, considering the significant increase in the crocodile population and the impact it's having, not just on our tourists and visitors, but also locals. Well, apparently we're being terrorized by crocodiles. Now, I, I thought yes. it was criminals. I thought it was yes. people in the streets stabbing other people. Lack of uh, um, government control potentially as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, And then she says, you know, it's a conversation I think needs to be had. It's a conversation with traditional owners and land councils and a conversation with the Commonwealth government. Um so at least she's acknowledging that. Now, we know that this has been brought up. It's uh, brought up every few years, crocodile calls. Uh, she said that uh, we've got crocodiles looking for different areas. They're pushing further into spaces where perhaps they haven't been before. It impacts on traditional owners. It impacts on tourism. It impacts on locals. Uh, of course, she's not the first one to ever bring this up. Um, but she did say something. And, well, these numbers have been thrown a lot around for years, too. But if you go and look that it was 3,000 in the 70s when culling stopped. Uh, the population of crocs now more than 100,000. That, that, I don't even think that's just for the NT, though. I think that's all across Northern Australia. But anyway, it's now the NT figures. Uh, in 2017, Gunner said he wanted to do it. It was also accepted and toted by... He wanted to do it personally. <laughs> yeah, Mick Dundee and this whole thing. Uh <laughs> The idea was also toted then by uh, NT Senator Nigel Scullion, who agreed. And yeah, Gunnar had said he wanted to do a safari with crocodile trophy hunting. Scullion agreed, but couldn't get his colleagues over the line. Giles before him also said he wanted crocodile hunting. Nothing came of that. You go back and look, Paul Henderson also supported calling crocodiles and allowing safaris back in 2009 writing to the federal government to request removing all problem saltwater crocodiles from within 50 kilometers of Darwin and allowing hunters to shoot 25 of them annually. But again, nothing happened. And again, the federal government did their jurisdiction. So now we see, I think Files was out today, she's going to push this as far as she can, telling the NT News that she's written to Albanese to uh, uh, suggest that the changes are made to the crocodile management plan. Of course, I think many people are thinking that this is just a distraction from the real big issues <laughs> that are facing us right now. Sounds like it, one of those diversion uh, orders they love so much. Yeah, that's it. You'll probably get an RTS from Albo too, just quietly. Um, <laughs> the fact is, though, and I'm no expert on this, but I've I've certainly um, listened to the experts over the years. That the fact is that the uh, the crocodile numbers in the territory are as described by others, as out of control. And it's something that is needed. And you'll remember probably five or six years ago, they found a pool out near Kakadu. When I say a pool, a a body of water. And there was dozens of crocodiles that had died in there. Basically, that overheated. And it was they put it down to the fact that because the numbers are so out of control, they're fighting over food, they're going into other areas to Mm. try and get food. And as a result, they're dying anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. And Bitter Springs, we saw on the weekend too. There was yeah. another one there that they didn't expect to have. So, yeah, they're moving. 
They are on the move. All right, we'll cover that more on the weekend edition. And uh, what else you got for us coming up, Chris? Yeah, well, look, uh, Woody's been uh, hanging out with the fireys here at uh, an interesting press. Writing on the side of their vans (laughs) again, has he? Writing his name. (laughs) Uh, I think, um, what's his name? Spain called the cops on him. Anyway, uh, (laughs) as he's wanted to do to his own staff, so he wouldn't hesitate to call the cops on David (laughs) Wood. Um, but yeah, look, we'll get into this some more here on the weekend, but frustrated firefighters, they held this press conference to say that they still do not understand what the files government is willing to offer them in this long running contract dispute now, almost a thousand days, um, while their union claims the public employment minister, Paul Kirby canceled a meeting over the new contract because he said he was too busy on the Northern territory show circuit. (laughs) <laughs> now this Fair is enough. just and i think That's the clp days, would, isn't it? <laughs> well i mean he's traveling all around i guess i don't know where he is, is right he now county now as well <laughs> he's a traveling guy <laughs> <laughs> look um yeah i think the clp even caught on to this story and put out some today saying that he's choosing fairy floss over fireys <laughs> and um oh, how disgraceful. Yeah, so you've got now this, that it's 977 days without a pay rise for the fireys, um, which they said was unacceptable for a labor government to oversee. Mm. One firefighter calling the government the worst people on the planet. Wow, big call. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, now, you know, you get their frustration over this because at this point, I think there was something in here too about how the public employment commissioners, the the, the the minister somehow got involved and removed the commissioner from being in these meetings. And then, you know, something is not right here. Something's not happening properly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we do know that fireys are the only public service not to have a new bargaining agreement. Uh, yeah, the, Aaron Early from their union, United Workers, saying that there's 38 firefighters currently looking at moving to other jurisdictions. A lot of them from Alice Springs because of these contract talks dragging on. Um, yeah. Uh, what do we see here? Yeah. Corrections, of course, was getting that. So there was a, a fire uh, fighter by the name of David Lyons. He was at the press conference. He says, look, labor sells themselves as for the workers, but they are further behind than the CLP were. When they, Labour, were supposedly supporting us against the CLP, back when the CLP was in power, when Gunner was putting forward that it had been two years since the CLP had done anything for us. Um, You're now getting way past that. As he points out, he said, they've just dropped us like a hot rock. They are just the worst people on the planet, these guys. They just don't get it, and they really don't want to either. He said... um, uh, all about the turmoil that's gone on with Chalker leaving. They don't even know who the CEO is anymore for Fireys. Um, I think he was asked, what's the sticking point on these contract negotiations? He said, we don't have one because we don't know what they're willing to give us. They won't even come forward with anything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he had brought up uh, something there that they had used before uh, um, about how... Um, the illness that's caused by firefighters and uh, labor was big on running to the election of that saying they were going to stick up for fireys and put in compensation uh, yeah. programs for PFAS stuff. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know. I wasn't PFAS back then. It was, um, 
uh, I can't remember, but it was, you know, some of them had developed cancer from, from yes. things. And so they were going to put in those compensation plans. And then they've kind of backed away from all of that. They haven't, they brought it in, but th- th- they wanted some amendments to it. And that hasn't happened. Mm. But, but he's saying like, look, really, that that's what happened here. They used us to get elected and now they've abandoned yep. us and it's been well over two years now. So I, this sounds really nasty, P. Like, I don't know how they're going to get a resolution on this one because, yeah, it's not it's not going well for anybody. They also said they'd do openness and transparency throughout their term too. So uh, we, we know they're prone to throwing up uh, anything they can to get elected. And then once they're there, not much happens. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, it's very worrying though because, I mean, aside from your police officers and your ambos, uh Firefighters are as equally as important to have around, yeah. particularly this time of year. Yeah, especially when you need them. <laughs> yeah. So I hope it gets sorted for them, and um, I, I hope we're not talking about another government disaster. You know, if this gets pushed any further down the road. Yeah. Look. Yeah, and I think that they're planning more things, so uh, the more action to really draw attention to this because it does appear that they're just being left out in the cold here now. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to see that when everyone else is getting deals. So no. uh, let's see what happens in the next little bit here. We'll, yep. we'll let you know. We'll talk about it more on the weekend. Chris, thanks. We'll uh, catch you for Weekends with Walshy. Great. See you then, Pete. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Weekends with Walshy back again on the weekend. will be released around 7 a.m. Saturday morning. And we'll catch you again next week for the Territory Story podcast, News Bites. That was the Territory Story News Bites for this week. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.